Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey, bosses, this is Johnny, and welcome to episode 222 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm in Kharkiv, Ukraine, and this episode is going to be a bit special, not because it's uh, 222 or anything, but I'll explain in a bit why um, I'm having Sam Marks on, but not really live. But first, I want to talk about what I've been up to for the last couple of weeks uh, and talk a little bit about, about the Nomad Cruise, why I went on a review of it, kind of what I learned from it, how it was different from the last Nomad Cruise, as well as some tips and tricks that I learned along the way for travel, as well as some travel kind of updates and why I am in Ukraine for the summer. So, First, I actually almost didn't go on the Nomad Cruise again this year, even though I had such a good time last year. And if you haven't heard about it, it is a, an event put on by Johannes and his team, uh, including Bori this year and Dennis, who they basically had the idea of renting out a big part of a cruise ship that are doing these repositioning cruises. So normally there are these really long 10 to 14 day cruises with a lot of days at sea. And these cruises, a lot of people don't like doing because... You know, you're just on the cruise ship for a couple of days in a row at sea, and it, it's a bit boring. But it was perfect for digital nomads because we were able to do workshops and conferences and meetups during those sea days, and then the land days, be able to explore and travel together. When I first heard about the Nomad Cruise, I actually thought it was a terrible idea, especially because the internet on those cruise ships are terrible, especially over like the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean. Or even though they technically have satellite internet, once you have more than you know 30 people on, especially if you have 700 people on at any given time, it just doesn't really work. But I'm really happy that Johannes kind of had the vision of saying, no, we can make this work. People don't need to actively be working every day from the boat if they need to. Uh, it's possible, but it's not something to um, really rely on. And the last night my cruise I went on, what I did was I decided, hey, let me make sure all my businesses and my, my income is passive enough or automated enough where I didn't have to worry too much about working while I was on the ship. And that was actually what my talk was about is automation and, and creating passive income. And so uh, this year, I wanted to go back because I had such a blast last year. Last year was the perfect schedule. I think it was 10, 10 days long or so with a day at sea, a day on land, a day at sea, a day on land. So it was kind of just a really nice schedule. And we went from Malaga in Spain and we ended in in Athens. So we got to go through some you know really cool places, including some of the Greek islands and end up in a place that I had never been before. And what was even better about it was afterwards, everybody stayed to hang out in Athens. And we actually did a island meetup in Santorini, Greece, which is really beautiful the week after. So already I had decided I'm definitely going to go on this. This is something I want to do every summer as part of kind of my nomad adventure to meet new kind of cool people as well as be able to travel and enjoy cruising because to be honest, I hated cruising beforehand. It was something that I had done with my parents once and I just, it was so boring. I, I felt trapped on the ship. Everybody on the ship was you know, retirement age, 70 plus, and it was so boring. But with the Nomad Cruise, because everyone is nomad, everyone is, you know, relatively young, and we have similar interests, it's a blast. So I really loved it. But this year, 
I almost didn't go on. Not because of any real reason, except I didn't have a big reason to go. And travel plan wise, it was off my my path. So I, I needed to go from Asia to Europe for the summer, but the Nomad Cruise started early April, which is a bit too cold still for Europe. And it started from Grand Canary, which is an island I've been on before. I was there for a year and a half ago. And I actually lived there for two or three months, and I really liked it to, as a place to live. In fact, I have a couple of friends who are still living there. Shout out to uh, Marta and Christian, who are from Poland. And I met them in Chiang Mai, and they had decided to move permanently to Grand Canary because it has low cost of living, good weather year-round. And for them, it's a easy, you know, I think it's a direct flight, actually, to to Poland. And all the routes, all the stops on this cruise, I had kind of already been on. You know, I've been to the Canary Islands, or at least Grand Canary. I've been to Cadiz in Spain, and I've been to Lisbon in Portugal. And I thought, you know, why would I go back on this again? And now I'm in Western Europe, and my goal was to spend the summer in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine. To make it worse, there turns out to be a direct flight from Sri Lanka directly to Ukraine and Kiev, and that was actually the easiest, cheapest option to get to Europe. So if I wanted to get to Grand Canary, which is as far southwest as possible, I would first have to fly to northeast you, you know, Ukraine and then fly across Europe again to get there. So it just didn't really make sense logistically. And I think a lot of times as digital nomads, we either fall into one or two categories. One is we just travel way too much without planning or thinking, and we end up backtracking a lot. We end up wasting a lot of time in the air or traveling, wasting a lot of jet fuel, you know, which is not very good for the environment, but also just wasting our time and our health of being on planes all the time. Or we fall on the other side where we are so settled that we're not really digital nomads anymore. We're more just like expats wanting to live in one place, not wanting to travel that much, not wanting to kind of sense the adventure that much. And both are kind of extremes. So this year I said, okay, you know what? Let me just go on this because I, I had such a good time last year that, and I don't really have a reason not to, even though it would have actually been really nice to stay in Sri Lanka and just learn to surf and just stay longer. Uh, unfortunately, as of this recording, mid-April, there was you know, a, a really bad kind of disaster in Sri Lanka with some bombings, uh, I think it has to do with the different religious sects. And it's a real real big shame because Sri Lanka is normally such a beautiful, peaceful country. Um, but it honestly wouldn't have affected me anyways because I was living in a small like surfside village town called Welegama. And all the bombings and bad things happened in Colombo and also in kind of bigger places. But it, I can still imagine that if you're living there right now... Um, you know, even though it's not directly affecting you, it's it's a terrible feeling to be in a country that's where everything's kind of unsure and, and all these bad things have happened. So maybe it was actually kind of a blessing disguise that I had left when I did. But either way, uh, another big reason why I went to Grand Canary was my buddy David Vu had actually moved there. He had met his now wife uh, on Nomad Cruise a few years ago, and uh, she is Romanian and... Uh, and she's been having some uh, issues getting her visa uh, to, for the U.S., so they're waiting on that. And he's American, so he didn't necessarily want to live in Romania either. Or I think both of them didn't want to live in Romania for, for whatever reasons. But uh, it would be easy for them to be somewhere in the EU. 
So in Spain, he was able to get residency and rent an apartment for two years, and he had a nice life. So he said, hey, Johnny, I have an extra bedroom. Why don't you come stay with me and uh, hang out before the Nomad Cruise? So even though I had been to Grand Canary before and didn't really have a huge reason to go back, I'm so glad I did because I really liked it when I was there, and this time I actually liked it even more. I think once you kind of get to know a place and your expectations are kind of better aligned, you and you don't spend as much time kind of wasting time trying to find, figure out how to get around, how to find the grocery stores, how to take a taxi, how to get from the airport, etc. You can actually just enjoy it a lot more. It kind of feels like you're going home. And the really nice thing about Grand Canary is it's the perfect blend of kind of Western, like the Western you know world and an affordable kind of island life. It's not cheap, but at the same time, it's very affordable. So as a good example from the airport, Cheap would be like Thailand or Sri Lanka, where you can just cop in an Uber for $5. In Grand Canary, it would still be like a $35 ride, uh, which is you know expensive, right? It's not as expensive as like New York, which would be $55 or more, but it's still pretty expensive. But what they have is these airport shuttles, these buses that run for $1.80 or 180 euro, which is about $2, that take you into the city center. And then from there, I just took another a local taxi for another two dollars and which took me to the door so for four bucks and a pretty easy transfer i am you know at my buddy's house and he's living on the beach and it's a beautiful beach unfortunately in early april it's still kind of cold and that's actually the reason why i didn't really want to go to grand canary uh during this time is because i knew it was gonna be too cold to really swim or surf or do anything especially coming from sri lanka where it was so warm the water temperature was like probably close to 30 degrees Celsius, which is 85 or maybe even 90 Fahrenheit. So I was able to, to surf in just a rash guard or once I actually completely forgot to even wear a rash guard and I just went with no shirt and it was completely fine. But big lesson I learned from that is after about four days, I just went in the water anyways. And even though it was freezing for the first five minutes, your body gets used to it. And it's one of those big kind of life tips where sometimes you have to ask yourself, are we avoiding something or not doing it? because it's harmful for us or we just generally don't want to do it and wouldn't make us happy? Or is it something that we would actually get a lot of benefit from, either health-wise or financial-wise, uh, mental clarity, you know, physical benefits, things like that? And with, for snorkeling in this cold water, which was probably you know, 18 degrees Celsius, like 50 degrees you know, Fahrenheit, it wasn't physically dangerous. I mean, you can stay in this water for two or three hours before you get hypothermia or anything really negative but it's very uncomfortable. However, after five minutes, your body adjusts to it, you get used to it, and there's so many benefits physically as well as mentally of being in that cold water. I would come out, I would feel so good and refreshed and recharged, and I would have so much mental clarity for the rest of the day. Physically, I felt better, my muscles would relax. You know, it's it was just a good thing to do even though I really wanted to avoid it because it was physically uncomfortable. And I think going you know, back to Grand Canary or just taking that extra flight was one of those things that I just wanted to avoid because it would be easier just to stay one place and take a direct flight to my next destination. But I'm glad I did it. And it was really nice seeing everybody there again. And I'm really happy to, to announce that the Nomad Coffee Club Las Palmas, which is the, the city, um, the main city in Grand Canary, the capital city where all the nomads are, it's still going strong. And they're still having meetups all the time. And we had like 50 people show up. Uh, so big shout out to Maria uh, from Restation for organizing that still and everyone else who's been helping out with it, including Miriam and everyone else. 
I'm so happy that it's still going, you know, still going strong because it's something I helped started when I was there. And I'm so happy that it's a way for nomads to connect with each other still. If you want to know more about Gran Canary and Las Palmas and, you know, just the place to visit as well as a potential nomad hotspot to live in, if you go on johnnyfd.com, my blog, and just search for either Las Palmas or Gran Canary, you can find out all the info there. I actually looked at the guide again, and it's so detailed. It's crazy how much effort I put into that guide, but I really wanted to share the best information about where to stay, where to work, what cost of living is like, all that stuff. But kind of in a nutshell, Grand Canary is a place that if I was from the EU, I would move to in a heartbeat. As an American, it's a bit more difficult to get residency there. But if I was in the EU and I wanted to stay close to the EU, but I wanted my cost of living lower, I wanted to be in a kind of nomad hotspot with other digital nomads. I wanted a place that was sunny year round, where even in the winter, it's still nice enough to walk around most of the time in, you know, maybe not a short season t-shirt all year, but you won't, you won't be freezing. It doesn't snow, it doesn't get that cold. And it's just a really nice island with a lot, lot to do. And it was the perfect place to kick off the Nomad Cruise 8, where I met everyone up at. One thing that I had realized is not that many people came that early. I was there for two or three weeks beforehand, and the majority of people showed up the you know four days before. And I think this is a, a trick or a tip for everyone is go places two weeks before, like you know even go a month before, if it's, especially if it's a cool place where you can work from anyways, go and check it out. I mean, you're flying there anyways. You might as well explore a new place. Don't worry about you know just showing up just like the two days before because honestly, you'll miss out on a lot. And we did so many amazing things the week of, but also just the weeks before, it was so nice just to be there and co-work and check out the co-working spaces, see all the people. I went on two hikes. I did paragliding there. I went snorkeling. I went scuba diving. I did all these cool things that most people who just came the day or, or two before didn't get to experience. So I would highly recommend, you know, whether you're going to the Nomad Cruise, the Nomad Summit, or any event or conference or, you know, something that it starts on a fixed date, go there a few weeks before. And, you know, really check it out. That is one of the biggest benefits of being a digital nomad that we have is being able to work from anywhere, to set up shop, and to travel slowly. It's not a race. There's so many places that we can see, but unless we really take our time to get to know it, we really don't get to know anywhere. I once heard someone say, most people who travel have been to a lot of places, but they haven't really seen or arrived in any. And I think that's so true for people who go places for a few days at a time or a week at a time or less because we really don't get to see or experience anything we really haven't arrived anywhere and that's a big reason why one of my goals is to travel less often and, and stay in each place for longer which is why i'm spending at least two months here in Kharkiv, if not three or maybe even four but before we get to that i want to quickly talk about what the nomad cruise was like so this year we left from las palmas grand canary we went through a couple of the other canary islands including lanzarote and tenerife and then we went to Morocco and Casablanca for a day, then to Cadiz, Spain, and ended in Lisbon, Portugal. This cruise was much more rushed. It was only six days or six nights, actually. And we only had one sea day, which was probably my favorite day because we were actually on the boat the whole day. But at the same time, it was kind of a lesson learned. Uh, I spoke to Johannes and other people at Nomad Cruise. They knew that it would be packed but it was kind of the the only option they had for this year and they just wanted to try it out so it was, it was an experiment i really hope they don't do these short cruises anymore because i think even though it was a lot of fun and i enjoyed going i think i would have gotten 
uh, a lot more kind of rest and enjoyed it more if it was a bit longer. So I really hope that they are able to find longer sea day, like longer trips. I think the one last year was really perfect. And to be honest, I would rather have went on the same route again to the same places and ended up, you know, went from Spain to Greece again, even though I had seen the places, but had that format and had been able to check off another country like Morocco, you know, or uh, even the other Canary Islands, which I did want to see, to be honest. But for me, the Nomad Cruise is so fun being on the ship itself that the trips and where we go is almost extra, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I just really like being on the boat and hanging out with people, eating together, you know, partying together, and just, you know, hanging out and exploring together. So the actual stops uh, were pretty fun. Uh, I would say the first one, which I believe was Tenerife, we went to the beach. Uh, I didn't do any of the excursions this time. And it was really cool that they had drums set up where I think it was a city of uh, Tenerife who actually wanted to promote their carnival, which I think is the second biggest carnival outside of Brazil. So it's pretty cool. And it was just fun hanging out on the beach uh, again, it was a bit short because we had to get back on the boat by like two o'clock. But overall, I really had a good, you know, a good time. It was nice to see the city, nice to hang out with people. We did some acro yoga on the beach, played with the drums, and then the next day in Lanzarote, uh, I again I just kind of walked around the city and did my own exploration, and it was okay. It was you know nothing really that special, but it was good to be able to see at least part of the city. And the only actual new country for me was our stop in Casablanca or in Morocco. And the very you know, first 20 minutes, I hated it. It was just, you know, we were walking through this industrial port. Um, and the first five Moroccans we come across are taxi drivers. And they were so pushy. You know, they just were following us and kept insisting, like, pushing, saying, you know, taxi, taxi, taxi. And every time we would politely say no, you know, they would just, like, hassle us more. And I'm sure this has happened to every single person here. And normally... It puts a bad taste in your mouth, but they go away. Unfortunately, these guys didn't go away. They just kept following us. And no matter how polite or how many times we would say no, they would just keep following. And finally, I'd said something that turns out to be the magic phrase to get people to stop. I said to the guy, look, please stop. You're making me really hate Moroccans and hate Morocco. And he was just shocked for a second. But then he thought about it and he realized, oh, crap. I didn't, he, I, he didn't realize what he was doing. He, he was just, you know trying to get a sale. He was trying to, you know, sell a taxi ride. And he had no idea that he's kind of the, like an ambassador of Morocco and the people. And the first impression that I'm, you know, we're getting visiting his country for the first time is, is a really negative one. So I'm going to try this in every country I go to from now on, uh, where either whether I have to use Google translate, um, or however, you know, however I can get the point across, I think a lot of times people don't realize that they're being rude or they're making you, you know, giving you a really negative experience because that's just the way they do things or that's just part of their culture or they're just not thinking that much. In fact, I've been doing this a lot with really loud tourists. You know, if I meet, let's say, a group of tourists from China, they're at the other table and they're screaming and they're just super loud and rude and annoying. I'll just say to them, usually in Chinese, like, hey, you're being rude. You know, like, keep your, you know, keep your voice down. And most of the time, they will just apologize and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize that this wasn't appropriate or they didn't realize that they were doing that because in the culture of being in, from Beijing or mainland China, unlike other Asian countries, it's you know a, a, a good thing to be loud. And 
they don't realize that in other countries or other cultures that it's rude. So when you point it out, if anything, they lose face and they realize, oh, crap, I, I need to stop doing that. So instead of just being angry at people and, you know, rolling your eyes or talking beyond their backs, try just saying to them, you know, especially in their native language or pull it up on Google Translate and show it to them. Just say, hey, you're being rude. Please stop. And I guarantee nine out of 10 times they don't even realize what they're doing. So even though I can now officially cross off Morocco on my list as a country I've visited, I really try not to visit countries for a day and say I've been there because you really can't get to know a place if you're just there for a day or especially a few hours off a cruise ship. This is one of the reasons why I think cruise ship tourism is actually really stupid. And if I was a if I was a port or a city, I would actually really restrict it or I would have some rules, you know, where people have to spend the night or they have to, you know, be there for at least eight hours or something, or maybe provide like buses or local transport somewhere, you know, outside of like the super touristy area. Because in a lot of cities, people come in on the cruise ship, they just kind of mindlessly wander around uh, and then they go back on the cruise ship for lunch and they say that they've been to the country and really they haven't seen anything. They haven't experienced the culture. They probably didn't meet any locals. They probably didn't try any of the authentic food. It's a really kind of bad way to to travel and say that you've been to a lot of places. So if anyone asks, yes, I've now been to Morocco, but I definitely have not seen Morocco. And I'm sure there's so many you know nicer, more beautiful places, so much better food and culture than than I experience. Just you know going over to the to the main mosque in Casablanca and eating at the French restaurant that was directly across, even though it was actually really nice. And I felt like I did see a little bit, at least, because I walked through the, the markets, so I got to see some of the locals, and then I actually walked along the beach uh, afterwards to you know make sure I at least got the most out of my time there. But for a lot of people, they literally took a taxi to the mosque, took some pictures, and then took a taxi back to the cruise ship, and really, they didn't see anything. So after the cruise itself, we landed in Lisbon, Portugal, and it was so nice going back to Lisbon, even though I had been there twice now. And I really didn't have a big reason or desire to go back. It was a good excuse to see some old friends again, like my buddy uh, Shannon Weeks, who I met in Chiang Mai as well, and is now living in Lisbon. And actually just bought an apartment there with his wife, Alexis. I got to see some of the co-working spaces again, check out the new Selena there, which is a, like a co-living hostel kind of hotel kind of place, as well as just kind of visit some you know, great food, do a couple of walking tours. I was able to update my... Johnny's Guide to Lisbon. So go to if you want to check it out, go to johnnyfd.com and search for Lisbon. It's also another super detailed travel guide. And I put in the links to the you know walking tour we went on, all the restaurants we ate at, and all that good stuff. But again, even though I had been to Lisbon before, twice now, I really enjoyed it again. So it's one of those places where I feel like always checking off new places and, and visiting new new countries and new cities is nice you know, to be able to, to say you did it. But a lot of times it's kind of nice just to go back to places that you really loved uh, and maybe stay a bit longer this time. So my original plan was I was actually going to stay in Lisbon for one or two months because first, I really like it. Second, the weather there is quite good uh, in April. It's not cold. And there's a huge nomad community there. However, I decided that my priority was to kind of get into a normal gym routine and to learn a new language. And after interviewing Lydia Makova, 
here on the podcast as well as hearing her talk on the Nomad Summit and watching her TED Talk, I really wanted to learn Russian. And I know I could have done it, you know, from Portugal or from Sri Lanka or wherever I was, but I knew I wouldn't do it, you know. I would have to be somewhere where I really dedicated myself. And I knew the quicker I got to Ukraine, the quicker I would get into a normal routine, join a gym, get a full-time apartment, and be able to get into the habit of studying and then also practicing, being able to read signs and menus, being able to talk to locals, and just being in that atmosphere. So even though I was breaking my rule a little bit about traveling fast and not spending that much time, uh, I knew that I just wanted to get somewhere where I could start that. But at the same time, I really did like Lisbon. I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite places in Europe. It is the better Barcelona. It is the place that people should be visiting as part of their bu- European bucket list. You know, it's it's a really underrated, really beautiful city, and it's very affordable. Like, it's way cheaper than the rest of Western Europe. It's cheap. It's much cheaper than Spain or especially in Barcelona. It's much, much cheaper than, like, France would be. You know, it's probably a quarter of the price or a tenth of the price of London. And to me, it's more beautiful. There's more to, more to do. The food's better. The weather's better. The beaches are better. The people are nicer. Portugal is an amazing place. It's... Like, I cannot recommend it enough. It's another place that, as a digital nomad, I would happily live in. And if I wanted to settle somewhere, uh, if I was in a long-term relationship or I was married and I wanted to have a family and buy an apartment somewhere in, somewhere in the world, Lisbon would actually be very, very high on my list. It's kind of like what uh, Shannon and Alexis have done. The only downside to it is, in winter, it's not freezing cold, but it's not warm. So... It gets down to 46 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, which is 8 degrees Celsius. So it's pretty cold, but it's just not you know freezing cold. It doesn't snow or anything. While Gran Canary, the nice thing is if you drive or take a bus for an hour and a half to the south of the island in Mas Palomas, it is sunny 365 days of the year. So anytime you feel like going to the beach, you can, just being on this one island. A big trick about living in Las Palmas or in Gran Canary is, and that I wrote about in the guide, so make sure you read it on my blog before you go, is don't expect it to be super beautiful. Don't expect it to be a little tropical island. When you fly in, it looks so terrible. It looks like you're flying over in like an industrial desert. But the nice thing is when you're living there, the city center is pretty nice. It's like it has everything that you need. There's like shopping malls. It has a media market, which is kind of like a Best Buy. And close by, you have Ikea, you have Decathlon, which is my favorite sporting goods store in the world. It's like the Costco of sporting goods. It's like REI for Costco prices, or less, actually. And it kind of just has everything that you want and you need. And the best part of Grand Canary is if you have a car or if you rent a car on the weekends, which is pretty easy and, and cheap, there's so much to do. There's so many beautiful nature spots to go to. There's so many different beaches. There's so much kind of outdoor activity to do. So it's a place where it takes a while to get to get used to and settle into. And if you just walk around the city center, you'll think, okay, it's kind of ugly, it's kind of boring, but it has so much charm. Lisbon, on the other hand, is the opposite. Right, right when you get there, you're like, wow, this place is beautiful. <laughs> there's so much to do. Uh, there is, there's like an infinite possibility in, in Lisbon. So it's kind of a, a toss-up. Uh, I like both of the places. I would recommend just visiting both and seeing which one you like better. I'll say Lisbon's a bit more kind of hip and fun. Uh, Grand Canary is more like a, a place you would live. You want nature, if you want to chill, have tapas and wine. But either way, th- th- they're both great places. So 
Uh, if you haven't realized by now, <laughs> this episode is mainly just me uh, talking to you without a guest uh, because even though my plan was to record a bunch of episodes on the Nomad Cruise with the cool, interesting people I met, I didn't have time to at all. I literally had one hour of free time on the entire cruise, and I ended up going on Matt Bowles' show for his uh, Mavic show, and we recorded a podcast for him, but I didn't have any other time to record a podcast for myself. It was literally from the morning until like late at night, I was busy just doing stuff, exploring, doing workshops, talks, hanging out with people at the gym, swimming, drinking, eating, <laughs> just like, you know, just doing something. So that was kind of a, a big downside of the Nomad Cruise for me personally is uh, I didn't have any free time like I did last time on the sea days to be able to pull people into my cabin and record a podcast. Another big reason why I preferred that format better. That being said, if you go on the next one to Brazil or uh, they have a another kind of alumni cruise, which I don't think they publicly announced, uh, but any of the longer cruises with more sea days uh, gives you a lot more opportunity to do cool things like this. Uh, for me personally, I'm not going to be able to go on the next Nomad cruise um, to Brazil or on the alumni cruise, mainly because my travel plans are going to be in September. I'm going to be in Vegas and then back in San Francisco to visit family. In October, I'm going to go down to Cancun, Mexico to prepare for the next Nomad Summit, which is going to be the weekend of October 12th. Uh, in Cancun and then right afterwards I think on the Wednesday after we're, we're all going to head down to Playa del Carmen which is the next city over and we're just going to co-work and live there for a month and check out the digital nomad scene there check out the co-working space and go you know scuba diving go snorkeling enjoy the beaches and do all the kind of the fun stuff so even though I could technically rush my way back to Europe to go on the nomad next nomad cruise and then end up either in um, South America or somewhere else and then fly from there to Chiang Mai for the winter and then to prepare for the January Nomad Summit which is going to be the weekend of January 18th I could go and if I was just an attendee it, it's possible so if you want to do both you're welcome to do to do both if you want to fly around but for me I'd like to be and I need to be in each city for a month before to actively plan the, the conference get everything together so I personally cannot do it. So my next Nomad Cruise will be next summer, 2020, wherever that's going. That They haven't announced that yet. But hopefully it's going to be a longer cruise. And if you do go uh, on the Nomad Cruise, uh, if you mention Nomad Summit, uh, I think it's even a coupon code still. I think you normally get 50 euros off. But uh, either way, uh, I hope to see you guys at one of the next conferences, whether you come to the Nomad Summit in Cancun or the Nomad Summit in uh Chiang Mai in January, or if I see you on the next Nomad Cruise, let me know how it goes, because I think it's really fun. I think it's something that everyone should do and experience, and just enjoy. I also want to give a shout out to Trainaway, which is an app uh, that I download on my phone that lets you find gyms wherever you are, and my first time using it was in Lisbon, and it's been something that I've been looking for for a long time. I'm, I'm really glad that somebody finally made it, but basically, it's a way to open it up, look for gyms in your area, and then just use it to buy a day pass. So you don't have to go through their website or try to figure out if they sell day passes or not. If they sign a month membership if you're just visiting. And it was actually really easy to use. And, you know, it took a minute to set up. But once I did, I found a gym that was within like a five minute walk of 
where I was staying in Lisbon. I bought a pass online. I walked up, showed the pass to the front desk, and then I was working out. And I ended up doing it two days in a row just because I had no excuses not to work out. Normally while I'm traveling, I'll often just kind of skip a workout just because I can't find a gym, I can't find pull-up bars, I'm just, you know, get lazy. And that's a big reason why I like being in one place and being in routine so I can get a monthly gym membership. But with, you know, this app, Train Away, you can just buy day pass wherever you are. So the people kept asking me for my referral code and it was something silly like ix 8 L-Y or something, I can remember it. So I emailed them and said, hey, can you just make Johnny FD as a code um, to refer a friend? And that way you get 20% off your first workout. So check them out, it's Train Away. And uh, now uh, I wanted to share an interview with uh, Sam Marks that we actually did for episode 119 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I normally don't share the finance stuff here on Travel Like a Boss because a lot of people aren't into the investment parts and it's, it's kind of too nerdy and boring. But for the first 15 minutes, we actually just talked about travel as well as our plans and life philosophies. And I really think that you guys would enjoy it. So I wanted to share part of that interview um, with you guys here. And then afterwards, I'm going to wrap it up with some kind of takeaways from it. But we're going to be talking about our our Europe, Europe trip uh, that we did together in 2017, as well as possibly doing something again this summer. We're going to be talking about... Uh, what like the benefits of living cheaply, uh, having less stuff, carrying on only luggage, our goals, and kind of all these kind of randoms that you would you would like here on Travel Like a Boss. So take a quick listen and stay to the end uh, so I can wrap it up for you guys. Hey bosses, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 119 of the Best Like a Boss podcast. Juan Dia from Lisbon, Portugal. Welcome to the show, Sam. Welcome, Johnny. Man, it's good to get together for our Q1 updates. What a year it's been so far. Dude, I think it's Q2. It's the middle of uh, April already. <laughs> it's Q1, all right? We just finished Q1 in March. We've been a little slow and sluggish getting around to this episode, but for rightful reasons, we've been busy boys. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. A lot of travel. Uh, where are you now, actually, Sam? I'm in a little island, a very exclusive island off Florida called Boca Grande. Have you ever heard of it, Johnny? Ooh. You know what? Anything named Boca is usually pretty good. Your Boca Raton. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've heard of these little islands. I've heard of like Hibiscus Island. I guess this Boca Grand one's another one. What are you doing there? I'm here for a wedding, actually. So you might hear little quirks and hoots and hollers in the background. But my buddy from college is getting wet, uh, married. And it overlapped my birthday, which was yesterday, perfectly because all of our friends got together. We had incredible wine, filet mignon, and everything, and I didn't have to do anything. I just had to show up. It was great. Wow, it's perfect. So happy birthday, Sam. We we gave you a big shout out in the Boss Lounge if, uh, if everyone joined. But dude, it's it's been uh, fantastic knowing you all these years. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the birthday wishes from everybody. And uh, man, it's this podcast has been a big part of my 30s going <laughs> so far. So hopefully, we'll keep it going. But yeah, man, yeah. super pumped about what what, what, we've, what we've been able to do on the podcast, what we've been able to learn, and let's make another great year together. Let's do it. So uh, <laughs> did you say that you are moving to Barcelona? I'm moving to two different places in the next two months, <laughs> so it's going to be busy. But yeah, I'm going to move to Barcelona. It's going to be my new home base, unless anything last minute crumbles with my visa application, which I'm hoping it doesn't. And then I think I'm going to take my Tampa place and move it up to Charlotte because it's just a better airport, a little bit cooler of an area. And uh, I still want to maintain a home base in the US, but it's not going to be Tampa. See you, Tampa. You know what? I don't want to say I told you so, but, but I'm sure everyone listening right now is going to think that because oh yeah, 
It's been, how many yeah. months have you been in this Tampa apartment actually? I've been there maybe three months total and I've moved twice because the first place was crap. Um, but you know, it was more functional. Like it wasn't, Tampa wasn't my, the place I wanted to be in the world is I have a business there and then I wanted to be near my grandma kind of in her last year, which was successful in a sense. Um, so now it's time to move on, see All new, right. see new places. Well, I guess at least you'll have a, a place to store your furniture if you're moving up to to Charlotte. That's basically it, dude. <laughs> a good airport, place to keep my stuff, and a closer drive to my parents when I get back to the U.S. All right. Well, it's hilarious, but you know what? I'm glad you're uh, making moves, enjoying yourself, and I'm glad you're going to be in Europe this summer. I'm here in Portugal, and I'll stay in Europe all summer until September. So it's going to be fun Incredible. to hang out. Incredible. You know, not to get too far ahead, but. This Trans-Siberia trip is coming along real nice. It was very hard to get people on board. Now in November, we got four people. We got a uh, camera guy that's going to come and film it. So, Johnny, we'll reserve that seat for you, buddy. Number five. You know what? I would love to do it. I'm not going to do it this year. But I... What? You're that You're <laughs> that committed to not doing it? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it just doesn't fit my, my travel plans at all. I'm going to be in like, Mexico. What's not fitting about it, dude? Dog sledding with me yeah. across Siberia in your train drinking vodka, that's all fitting. It would be really fun. That does remind me of the time we took a train from, I think, Moldova to Ukraine or something. And you, you didn't bring any water. We just, we had a bottle of vodka. You had no <laughs> food, water. no water. And they didn't sell anything on the train. <laughs> and I had like one of those small bottles of water for myself. And that was it. <laughs> That was a great trip, Which man. Which you drank half of, by the way. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that was a great trip. I want to relive those days, man. Yeah, so I did. Let the I, veg- I, adventures continue. I definitely did enjoy that. So I'm, I do hope that we do some kind of trip this year together. It probably won't be the Trans-Siberian, but we'll, we'll do something in Europe. Sure, man. Well, dude, let's let's hear about money making, Johnny. I want to hear what happened last uh, this last quarter. So good news. So you know how I've been stressed about money for the last mm-hmm. probably year. You know, I'm sure everyone on this episode, um, everybody who's, who's been following the podcast is tired of hearing me stress about it while still traveling the world to do all this cool stuff. But I think when you go from anyone goes from, you know, earning money like a salary or making a lot from their business and then either selling that business or for whatever reason that money no longer is coming in, it's stressful. You know, regardless of how much you still have in the bank or what future potential there is, it just kind of sucks. And that combined with the kind of market not being very hot towards the end of last year, it it was really kind of flat, right? So I was stressed thinking, what am I doing with my life? Am I just kind of squandering away? Never, you know, my goal of being a net worth millionaire is never going to happen. But somehow we are making progress. Even without working as much and just traveling, you know, mostly, uh, even while uh, the markets are not crazy hot, they're doing okay. My net worth has crossed the seven hundred thousand dollar mark. How'd you do that? I have no idea. I honestly have what, what, no idea. What were you at at the beginning of the year? I feel like it was under six fifty. It was six fifty one. So did you find money that I forgot like about? You always seem to do. Yeah, I might have actually. <laughs> I mean, but there's, I'm just thinking because I, you know, I've been able to follow your, your progress and, um, I just, I know what investments you're in. I just don't know what would have given you that much of a pop. I guess it could have been all of your, 
you know, like affiliate earnings and stuff. From- no, there, there hasn't been that many. Like I, I've literally oh. been making like five grand a month maximum for the last year. Yeah. Well, you're doing a really good job at keeping costs under control. I think that's probably the biggest component of it as well. Yeah, especially because I really felt like I was broke for this last year because I wasn't working that much and making that much and that I've been living ultra cheap. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that I'm keeping my costs so low while the compound interest investments are doing its, its own magic and doing its thing, you know, I'm still earning money and still putting, you know, three grand uh, a month away into new investments. Yeah. And it, it all kind of just adds up. It just it just compounds like crazy. I read an article uh, just recently saying that the first hundred thousand is the hardest to make, because but then after that, as long as it's invested, instead of taking you know seven years to to get to that that point, you start you know getting the next hundred thousand every like two you know three years, and then once you hit hit five hundred thousand, you start getting the next hundred thousand like every year and a half, just because yeah. the compound interest is working for you. And because you have the formula and the practice down, right? Like if you're if you're growing like that, then you're kind of dedicated to that mission, and you probably are going to live within a a, a a common routine of saving, living frugally, and putting money aside to investments. And I've heard that same thing for a million. Like the first million is the hardest, and then once you've done that, you have the network, you have the experience, and you have the discipline to go out and make more money. Yeah, definitely. So for everyone listening, you know wherever you guys are at right now. Just realize it gets so much easier, and then you can you can almost kind of just chill and, and just let it grow by itself. Yeah, I could see you like I can't wait till you hit the million dollar mark on this podcast. But I could see at that point you starting to grow your money at a a, a really significant clip. And it'll be yeah. interesting to see what you do then if you really are like, oh, I want to shoot for the you know five million mark and kind of keep on doing what you're doing. If you're just like, eh, I can just uh, enjoy fire. That is uh, financial independence, retire early, and kind of live off earnings. But I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I don't know if you have a plan for that yet. Yeah, uh, definitely no plan yet. I, I want to hit that number just so I can write my next book. I want. Mm-hmm. I, I told myself I'm not going to write another book until I become a net worth millionaire. So mm-hmm. it's going to be kind of. I don't know what's going to be about, but it's, you know whatever lessons uh, were learned along the way. And that's yeah. like the one goal I have. Cool. Well, that's awesome, man. So you've you had a great quarter, and you've and you've been active. You've been traveling. You're in Europe now. You just got off the Nomad cruise. Um, so that's that's very inspiring to I know a lot of people, including myself, that you're able to maintain such a lifestyle and also grow your wealth at not an insignificant amount um, last quarter. Yeah. So I mean, for me, like honestly, I'm, I'm very happy. I, I see people who have way more stuff, way more responsibilities. Sam Marks is a good example. <laughs> you know, it'd be nice Thanks to have. Reminding me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be nice, you know, to have a nice car, right? You know, have a nice Audi uh, S6. Be nice to have a nice designer apartment with nice furniture, big TV. But at the same time. I know that all that kind of adds to responsibility. All those are, you know, liabilities that you're you're accumulating or not you, but like just people in general, right? Like things need to get replaced, things need to get upgraded, we we need a place to store it. And the fact that I'm traveling carry on only through Europe for this entire summer is so liberating. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good comparison too. Like I spent the I spent all of Q, Q4 basically in Thailand all the way through January. And my expenses were about four to five thousand a month, and I know people can do it a lot, lot cheaper. And now I'm back in the states, and my expenses are kind of like ten, twelve on up uh, a month. So, but my happiness levels when I was in Thailand for those months was probably a lot happy or a lot higher 
so it's kind of interesting comparison, like two very different lifestyles. One was was just chilling in Thailand, like drinking coffee, working out of coffee shops, co-working spaces, very relaxed schedule, not a ton of, of responsibility. Now I'm back in Florida, like working insanely long days, um, working all through the weekends, have a lot of nice things here, a nice apartment, nice car, uh, really nice, you know, go out, steak dinners, nice bottles of wine stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting just comparing so many different types of lifestyles that you and I kind of come into and experience. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the happiest I've been in a long time was last uh, couple of weeks, I was in Sri Lanka living in this little beach town and I was surfing all day. I had a $14 a night guest house that was half a block from the beach. My lunch would never cost me more than three or four bucks. Dinner is kind of the same, you know, maybe five bucks. And a surfboard rental was like two fifty an hour, $2.50. And that's all I did. I did. That's all I did for three weeks is I would walk to the beach, go surfing, and then have lunch, chill out, have dinner. And I was spending, including accommodation, probably like 20 bucks a day, you know, 600 bucks a month. I, and that's, you know, went back to that old, uh, that old number. But I was like, mm. if this, I was like, I honestly, when I was there, I was thinking, should I just retire? Should I just become a beach bum and surf all day and live off no. my, my, no. my passive income? No. No. Why? Why? Why not? <laughs> because I think that, well, you, you could retire in a sense doing that because, I think what gives you also a sense of being and belonging and why you can do those things and feel okay is because you have these great channels to connect with people and you have, you're someone in the community that people look up to in terms of lifestyle, style, what you've been able to create. You have your blog, you have multiple podcasts, so you're still able to stay connected. But if you didn't have those things and you were just to fall off the map and go live in Sri Lanka and be a beach bum, I don't think you'd find nearly the same type of satisfaction. And I think that's the story for people listening is like, just because you're doing it and are able to love it so much, you also, I think, have a much better network than people that might make money and then try to retire but not have the same play- ways to connect with people as you do. Well, like, I was imagining, like, what if I don't even go online, right? I mean, so Sri Lanka is a different example. But let's say I, I can find a, a small place on Venice Beach right, in California and I can be a beach bum there. Like, would I have that bad of a life? Like, or Uh-oh. that might be an amazing life, you know, like living in a, you know, a small apartment, a studio apartment, a few blocks from the beach, walking with my surfboard every day and just hanging out there, you know, being offline, not even having any of that stuff, but really just, you know, mm-hmm. chilling out and surfing and living that California bum lifestyle, beach bum lifestyle. Like, could that not make someone happy? I, th- I certainly think it could. I think it could different, you know, pick your poison. I, I think that like what we have the opportunity to do and, 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 um, and share with people is, is actually trying some of these lifestyles, you know, like dedicated, like go six months, Johnny to Patagonia and be a tomato farmer and just cut off from the world and then go to, you know, and then take six months and go to Sacramento and work at Trader Joe's and like, that's your thing. Right. And then maybe go to, Barcelona and rent a penthouse and like be a playboy, you know, you could try these different things and, and basically write a book about it, finding happiness. <laughs> That'd be a cool life. And you know, what? and it's it crazy. Cool. Like we, we literally just have this one life to live. And as we were both getting older, I realized, man, like it would be a shame if we just went to a nine to five job and we just did kind of the normal thing every day and we didn't try some of these things. And especially because we have the investments making money and growing on their own. As long as we don't mm-hmm. spend more than that's making, we could, I mean, we basically have permission financially to just do this forever. 
Absolutely. I, you know, you want to live with no regrets. And for me, that means try a lot of different things, like leave it all, leave nothing on the table, just go, go after everything that you kind of want to and have on your list. Um, and my dad wrote me like in my, my birthday card a couple of days ago, he wrote my, where does the time fly? You know, and it's so true. It's like, I'm 34 and I swear yesterday I was 26, like <laughs> with no responsibilities, just like blindly trying to start a business and um, all smiles. And uh, you turn around twice, I'm 34. And I think time moves exponentially fast. It's almost like, it's almost like investments compounding. Time moves at a quicker and quicker rate as you go through life. And uh, it's important to, you know, to not waste time, no matter what you want to do, if it's making money or chasing dreams or traveling, you know, don't wait because you don't know what's going to come tomorrow. Um, I had a couple, uh, one friend uh, pass away this last quarter and a couple of, you know, I ended up going down to the Bahamas for my buddy's bachelor party that I wasn't going to go to. And he called me and he's like, man, I know your like schedule's tight, but one of my groomsmen just passed away and it just reminded me like how delicate life is. And uh, it really means something if you came. So I, of course, you know, made the trip. Um, but it's like, it is true. Life's fragile. Got to get out there and, and conquer today. Yeah, definitely. And that's, man, you know, that, that, that sucks to hear that, you know, that people pass away all the time and we don't really think about it because we imagine that we're going to all live until we're 100 and we're going to grow old and we're going to have all this time. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, it's not, there's no guarantee, right? No guarantee, man. Not to sound morbid, but my, my friend's a doctor. He's at the wedding here. He works in Gainesville, Florida as a doctor. He's like, dude, every single night there's a young person like our age coming in dead, you know, traffic accident, drug overdose, normal looking college kids. It's like you don't realize the frequency that this stuff happens. Um, so it, it's, of course, changed his outlook on life, as I'm sure it would anybody in his position. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And I mean, I guess for now, it's more like a balance of part of us, you know, we really want to invest for the future and, you know, you know, make sure that we are comfortable in our retirement or when we can't work anymore or if we, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we need something in the future. But at the same time, it's a balance of also enjoying life now. So I think I've, I'm very fortunate and very glad that I had put in all that work the last, you know, five, six years from 2013 to, you know, 17. And now I'm enjoying it and just kind of living off the fruits of it. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm very curious, like what percentage of our listeners are, you know, or even just like, you know, way above us or above, above me, at least in net worth and investments and who's just starting out, you know, so I, I almost mm-hmm. imagine it's kind of 50, 50, where exactly half are going to be, you know, net worth less than me. And they try to grow, they try to grow their investments and savings. And then probably a big portion of our listeners have way more than I do already. Well, it's a perfect blend, I think, being able to reference where you're at and especially where you came from. Because when we started this podcast, you were at 250. So you basically tripled your net wealth in the two, how long we've been doing the podcast? Two and a half years? Yeah, something like that. Two and a half years? Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's incredible, man. You're going to get to a million, you're going to go from 250 to a million on this podcast, which is so many people's dreams, right? Or goals. I mean, maybe their goals are higher, but that's that's a, a very realistic path that you've taken. It hasn't been some, you know, crazy uh, windfall that you received that was lucky or fortunate. It's like a very practical course to, to you know, achieving your dreams early. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and, I, and I'm happy to be able to share this with people. But also, I think the reason why I've been able to grow my net worth is just keeping track of it. But also, instead of buying stuff, I get excited to buy investments now. You know, it's, this is what yeah. Robert Kiyosaki talks about, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Because whenever I see I have extra money in the bank, I used to think, oh, now I can buy the car I want, or I can buy the new MacBook, or I can buy the new XYZ. Mm-hmm. Now, when I have extra money, I'm like, oh, what new investment can I buy? Well, let's talk about that. Uh, what new investments did you get into last quarter? Before we talk about the performance of any individual assets, let's talk about anything new that you did, new initiative or new investments that you did last quarter. guys i really hope that you enjoyed listening to that quick interview with sam marks it's been really fun uh to catch up with him and i'm glad that i have a co-host to be able to talk to you over skype uh wherever i am at least for one of the podcasts so i hope you enjoyed this episode i know it's a bit different when it's just me uh talking uh directly to you for an hour instead of having it be an interview with someone else uh, if you liked this format, please let me know. Uh, so I, I'm not afraid to do it because I really try not to, to be honest. I always try to find a guest, um, even though I have a lot to share with you and I, there's a lot I want to talk about and I want to be able to kind of pass this info, but I think it is more fun with the um, guest format. But to be honest, it's going to be harder and harder for me to find guests while I'm living in one place, especially in like Kharkiv, Ukraine, where there's just not any nomads. So... Uh, probably expect less episodes uh, per per month, maybe just one or two for the next couple of months. Or maybe I should start doing some over Skype with people that I know already. Uh, I, I Honestly, I get a lot of requests from people I don't know that want to come on the show, but it's usually just because they want to promote their book or something, and I don't know who they are. So I don't know if I even want to talk to them for an hour, and I don't know if I want to share our conversation. So I normally just ignore those requests unless I met someone in person. But... Uh, with Sam, it's been really, really fun going through this journey with him. And we started out as, well, I started out as a digital nomad in Chiang Mai. And he started out as kind of a entrepreneur, online entrepreneur as well, even though his business was more offline. Uh, but he was also living in Chiang Mai. And actually, we were living in the same building. And that's how we met. If you want to know more about how he built his business, uh, he spoke at the Nomad Summit I believe it was 2016. So just look for Sam Marks Nomad Summit on YouTube and you can watch his entire talk on how he built a company and sold it for close to $100 million. Uh, obviously, he didn't get all of that himself because he had partners and he had to pay tax and all that stuff, but he still ended up with a lot of money. And it's it's been a blessing to be able to learn from him and his mistakes uh, and have him share so openly. Uh and it also kind of just shows what's possible um, and how there are people in Chiang Mai who are really killing it and, you know, and doing big numbers. So it's not just people who are just starting out. But another thing that I really learned and kind of took away from is the ability to live cheaply from anywhere. And I would say that's the number one best decision I've made in the last couple of years, if not my whole life, <laughs> was to live cheaply and invest all of the money I made while I was working a lot and just really crushing it. If you've been following this podcast or my blog for more than a couple of years, you'll know that in 2013, I started making money online. 2014, started doing a little bit better. You know, I probably made 50 grand or a little bit more. So we replaced my US um, salary, which I was very happy. 
But then in, by 2015, 2016, 2017, I was really crushing it. I was making way over 100,000 a year. My best year ever was 2016, where I made $325,000 that year. Mostly, uh, actually probably half-half from selling my dropshipping store as well as running the stores as well as all the income that came along with it uh, and everything else I had been doing that year. But a lot of it was just because I was so excited. You know, I was so pumped up and driven. And if you want to know more about that journey, read my book, Life Changes Quick. That's all about goal setting, building the business, saving, going from zero to $30,000 in savings. And to be honest, I'm really looking forward to being able to write my next book. <laughs> but I promised myself I wouldn't do that until I became a net worth millionaire. And I'm very, very happy and surprised that I'm, you know, close to three quarters of the way there. It's, it's still kind of surprising to me that I'm now worth over $700,000, which is insane. And I think it's it's one of those things where it never would have happened unless I was used to living cheaply because I know a lot of people who made a lot of money and just spent all of it as well. And it seems impossible or difficult to spend 20 grand a month, but trust me, I know a lot of people who have done it. And I know very few people who were able to make that amount of money and invest 90% of it or save 90% of it. So very fortunate that I had that mindset of growing up uh, cheaply, growing up poor basically, and enjoying kind of the, the, the small things. So now I am in Kharkiv, Ukraine for the next two or three months, and I'm studying and learning Russian. Uh, I'm really excited to speak a new language. It's very difficult, but it's it's been a challenge, uh, but it's also been kind of fun. I mean, waking up every day and having that be my priority, my goal is doing like online classes, you know, have, basically writing in a notebook again um, and just learning a skill from scratch. It's been really challenging, but I really, I'm, I feel very blessed to have the time uh, to be able to do it. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend Kharkiv as a place for most people to travel to. It's very difficult to get around. Uh, very few people speak English, so unless you speak Russian, it's very, very difficult. And there's actually, honestly, not that much to see. The first two days, I really didn't like it here. I I honestly wanted to leave. I, I actually looked at plane tickets to leave Kharkiv, just to go down to Odessa, because I've been there before and it's really nice. But it was just very difficult. It was either really expensive to fly down there, or I'd have to, I'd have to take like a 21-hour train ride. And I decided, okay, I'm going to give myself another week or two in Kharkiv to sell and see if I like it more. And now that I've actually gotten to know the city a bit and I've been very fortunate to have met some really cool people and this, you know, weather is getting better, uh, it's getting sunny, I'm actually really liking it here. And it's a really nice place to just live, to study the language, you know, to basically be a student. Uh, It's quite cheap as well. And it's just overall kind of an easy place to be. It's not, you know, it's... It's kind of a, a university town, so it's not super hypey or um, flashy like Kiev or Odessa would be. It's not too touristy, so it's kind of just a nice place to live. So keep in touch. I'm sure I'll talk about this more. I'll, I'll probably write about it on my blog, johnnyfd.com, uh, and hopefully I can find someone here to interview about life in Kharkiv or life in Ukraine, uh, especially if I can find a, a fellow nomad. So if anyone you know is going to be out here in Kharkiv, Ukraine for the next couple months this summer, 2019. Let me know in the comments or on Facebook. You can follow me at JohnnyFD on Facebook, JohnnyFDK on either Instagram or um, Twitter. 
and just give me a shout. If you're going to be in town, I might be down in Kiev. I might not go to Odessa this year because I've been there before. And even though I liked it, it's far <laughs> from both Kharkiv as well as Kiev. So I don't really have a big reason. But if you guys are going to go to Ukraine, look for, just search for Ukraine on johnnyfd.com. I've written a guide about Odessa, Kiev, and Lviv, which are my three, the three kind of biggest cities and places that I really enjoyed. Uh, a big benefit and one of the big reasons why I am in Ukraine this summer is it is not part of the Schengen zone, which means we can spend three months in Western Europe and three months in Ukraine as well, giving you six months of summer in Europe, which is amazing without dealing with, with visas at all. So I've already spent a month in Spain, Portugal, kind of that Schengen zone, uh, because I arrived a few weeks before the Nomad Cruise and stayed a week after. So I only have two months left in Western Europe, which I'm going to save up for the dropshipping retreat in Prague this September. Uh, I'm going to be speaking there. So if you are a membership of Anton's dropshipping course, the dropship lifestyle, uh, you can sign up and go out there. We, the last one was in Bali. The one before that was in Hawaii. Like we, we've had some really cool meetups and it's really fun meeting all these people in person who are doing well with the dropshipping stores because most of them are not posting online. So you never hear from them. But once a year, you meet people in person who have replaced their nine to five income. A lot of them have families. A lot of them just have normal lives and they just run the dropshipping stores from home, even though they're taking care of their kids or they're just, you know, working from a Starbucks and just living in like Indiana or some kind of random place in the U.S., so if you want to check out his course, it's AntonMethod.com. It's the course that I took to learn dropshipping, and I'm really uh, honored to be able to speak at the event every single year and share some of the knowledge that I picked up along the way and help people out who are either getting started or trying to level up. And his live event is going to be in Prague this September. So my plan is to go to Czech Republic a few weeks before, maybe even a month before, to see the rest of the Czech Republic maybe go to Slovakia, maybe check out you know some other places around there. So that's why I want to save a month of my Schengen visa for that. And there's a small chance I'll be going to the Running with the Bulls <laughs> with Sam Marks and uh, our buddies um, for this summer. But I don't think I'm going to go because I really don't want to fly back and forth so many times. So thank you for the, for the offer. Uh, I do appreciate it. It would be fun to hang out. But... I think I'm going to stay here and just focus on routine and life, learning the language, uh, going to the gym, getting in shape. So let me know what your goals are and what you've kind of accomplished uh, this year, what you plan on doing. You can leave a comment on the podcast itself. Um, well, you can join the Travel Like a Boss Army, which is our Facebook group where we discuss these episodes. You can meet some other listeners, ask questions, things like that. Uh, or uh, if you like this episode, if you like the Travel Like a Boss podcast in general, leave a review on iTunes because that really helps more people find the the show and the episodes. Uh, and again, if you enjoyed this format of me sharing my knowledge kind of solo, uh, let me know. And if you don't like it, send me a private message or something uh, and just say, hey, you know, appreciate you, you know, you trying, but let's go back to guests only. <laughs> just let me know. Uh, but big thank you to everyone who's left the reviews on iTunes. Uh, this week, I want to say thank you to John of the Irish from Ireland. Inspirational and entertaining podcast. He says, five stars. I've listened to a bunch of podcasts, and this is one of my top three. 
Johnny is such a great interviewer and always brings the best out of his guests. Warning, if you're doing a regular 9-to-5 job in an expensive western city, this podcast may make you hate your life. <laughs> Thanks, John. Appreciate that. And thank you all for listening. Uh, I appreciate all of you for hanging out and listening to me for this past hour. If you want to hear the rest of the interview with Sam and hear us talk more about the finance part of it, subscribe to the podcast Invest Like a Boss and look for episode 119 and you can listen to it there. Till next week, uh, Baka, which is goodbye in Russian. And I'll see you guys. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.